People came here to watch spectacles, to feast, and to play games of chance. But that was long, long ago. He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And make a part in about time too about not playing the ND. It was free through all, and I heard him say he bought my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, cause you're incapable AMs. Hello again. Hello. It's me, Spencer. Free throw. Keep off the borderlands. No? Oh, well, you're here now anyway. How you all doing? I figured it was about time I picked up the mic again because, uh, I don't know, while I've enjoyed the break, I do feel this is um, good for my sanity and um, I just hope you're all happy for me to continue inflicting my therapy upon you. <laughs> anyway, I've got quite a few responses about the uh, Alluvial Plains saga that I put out just before the birth of my child, which is all going very well, thanks for asking. Despite the lack of sleep, the new addition to the family is a very calming influence on the house. She's certainly got the whole sleeping, eating and uh, pooping thing down. It's almost as if she was born to do it. But, yeah, as far as the alluvial plains responses, I figured I will include them in the next episode because um, I've been threatening to share my thoughts about my experience of playing OSC. I also want to talk about playing online in general. And, um, yeah, it's high time I got round to doing that. So, old school essentials. Um, Gavin Norman's reorganisation of Moldvay and Cook's basic expert, Dungeons and Dragons. I've really been enjoying this. It's been run by Dave Aldridge, who is essentially my go-to GM because the kind of games he runs very flexible he uh, he runs an open table he can accommodate people dropping in dropping out and his games are essentially episodic campaigns I guess it's a persistent world with a rotating roster of characters before when using the black hack which is what I really got into playing online initially 
Dave ran that as almost a series of one shots, but again, in a persistent world. And I had a bunch of characters that I would pick based on which location the adventurers were setting out on to give myself a sense of continuity. But in uh, the OSE game, Dave has been using Dave Arneson's Blackmoor, also known as the first fantasy campaign setting. And again, Dave's running that as an open table, but it has much more of a campaign-like feel to it, where he's not trying to wrap up adventures within a single session. There's a certain continuity of core characters, but it's open for, you know, New characters can be introduced along the way. If the odd person can't make a session, you know, we kind of work with that. Which doesn't really cause uh, too much of a problem because with all the characters and the retainers, it's quite a large party. And, uh, you know, you can sort of get away with a particular player being absent. Essentially, a hand-wavy approach to that. And by and large, that works just fine. There was a bit of a discussion kind of going back and forth over what to do about treasure because with BX, you got your experience only when you returned from the adventure with the treasure. You know, you brought it back home and Dave's been handling that by giving out XP for creatures we've killed and other uh, things that we might have got up to that would earn us experience and then leaving the dividing up of the treasure to us as players and us working that out between ourselves seems to be going okay. You know, if we're in a situation where treasure is divided up and a key player isn't there who may have played a significant role in gaining that treasure well, that's all taken into account. And as I say, that seems to be working out okay. My character is a halfling called Juss. And my thinking behind that was that the halfling should have some kind of agricultural name. I understood Juss to be a botanical term for different types of grass. But in looking for evidence to back that up, I've come up empty-handed. So, um, Spike Pit, if you're listening and you know what I'm talking about, I'm all ears. But if I'm talking absolute nonsense, I'm happy for you to point that out too. So, yeah, he's called Just Over Here. Over Here because, you know, He's a halfling. He's good at listening at doors, eavesdropping. And obviously just over here is a pun in keeping with the Blackmore tone of the game. And I must say that the actual Blackmore itself is very much in keeping with the sort of flavour that Dave brings to a game. Maybe not the puns so much, Maybe not full-on gonzo, but the quirky nature of 
the things that we encounter. There's certainly a big influence from his fighting fantasy history. And if you're familiar with those books, you know what I'm talking about. And talking of the things that we encounter, um, Dave does, uh, I do like Dave's approach to encounters in the sense that if we come across a creature that would be unfamiliar to our characters, he doesn't tell us what it is. He describes it. And, you know, we have to kind of figure it out. More often than not, he's throwing in bizarre creatures from his own imagination and perhaps even stuff that his kids have dreamed up. And despite the fact that his kids may have been involved in inventing certain elements that we come across, Dave does like to put quite a disturbing twist on the things that we're dealing with, you know, emphasising grotesque elements that make each encounter a little bit disturbing in one way or another, which is something that I love. Something else that um, Dave does within his games that I really enjoy is his use of factions. Quite often we will be persuaded to work in the interests of some faction. We will encounter some other faction who while possibly not being sworn enemies, might have conflicting interests, which throws up a lot of uh, dilemmas. And we often find ourselves, you know, renegotiating and switching sides, trying to make situations work for us as a party. But as I say, you know, sometimes we will find ourselves working for someone with questionable interests or nefarious intents which aren't quite clear to us but yeah I really I really love that kind of moral dilemma aspect of play you know yes these guys are offering us more gold but what exactly is it that we are getting ourselves involved in I do struggle to play was going to say I do struggle to play characters that don't have some kind of ethical framework. I guess the truth is that I'm not interested in playing characters that don't have an ethical framework. What I like is that conflict. So it'd be possible for me to play an evil character, torn, conflicted about what he was doing. Not essentially because he had a conscience, but I think just the tension of conflicting factors is something I enjoy, I guess. Um, there's a couple of other reasons why this game really ticks my boxes. And uh, that's not, not necessarily the rules themselves, but the fact that as a player, I really enjoy exploration, primarily of the world, but also of the character I'm playing. I'm not big on backgrounds. I like my character to develop through play. Um, but as far as exploring the world is concerned, um, from the off, this campaign started out as our party being commissioned to explore 
a network of tunnels beneath the city of Boo. I say city, it's probably more of a town. Um, but to be fair, we spent majority of the time underground searching for legendary dwarven mines, but coming across all manner of unpleasantness along the way. And the conceit of us being rewarded by the uh, Tunnelers Guild, that's who we initially started out working for. For each area we were able to map, in doing this we uncovered rival Hobbit factions, um, these very bizarre creatures called Boggarts, kind of grotesque blobs on spindly limbs with a bizarre array of genitals of some description that took immense glee in torturing their victims. Acolytes of a mushroom god, who our cleric is also a disciple of, um, that have uh, offered us a variety of mushrooms that can be consumed, giving wondrous powers, but not without great risk. We've encountered masses of bizarre eggs, containing uh, creatures that have pursued us up and down corridors and done their best in trying to attach themselves to us. Just lots of great, weird and wonderful stuff going on. And uh, yeah, I've been absolutely loving it and can't wait to get back into it. It's been a few weeks now that I haven't played, um, you know, what with a baby coming along. As for the way we play, um, which which is also a draw for me, the fact that we play on Zoom, usually sharing images, maps and other details through the Discord channel. The majority of us using video chat, but um, there are three or four players who don't use the video at all. It's strictly audio. And uh, that works out just fine. Yeah, certainly keeping it simple like that, rolling our own dice. Although, you know, some people do use the Discord for the rolling of dice. Personally, I just enjoy rolling dice. I've been playing in Dave's games on Zoom for, well, over a year now. Um, pretty regularly. For a while, I was playing twice a week. And I can honestly say, I think we've had zero technical difficulties. Maybe I've just been extremely lucky as far as Zoom is concerned. But um, yeah, I've had nothing but a great time with it. As for the system itself, yeah, it certainly does the job. Um, I can see why it has persisted and it's captured people's imaginations in the way that it has and and it serves as a basis for many, many different iterations and variations and um and as perplexed as I am by some of the kind of choices regarding the mechanisms of the game, um it just works. 
Uh, no, there's been a bit of talk about the uh, uselessness of thieves, or maybe more accurately, people's reluctance to play thieves because low-level thieves are seen as being somewhat underpowered at something of a disadvantage. Now, I know Jason Connolly was talking about this on, if not on um, the Nerds RPG variety cast, then on some calls he's made to other shows, maybe even, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he may have mentioned it in a call to me. But this is something that uh, Daniel Norton has been talking about on Bandit's Keep, if not on his podcast, then on his YouTube channel. I think I saw it actually, uh, talking about how to use the thief and why it isn't necessarily underpowered. Because from my experience of playing OSE, is that whenever there wasn't a thief within the party, we were at a huge disadvantage and that the thief played such a key role in what enabled the adventurers to cope with, um, what allowed us, it allowed us to approach encounters in a variety of ways that would not be available to us with a thief not present. So they've proven to be extremely valuable, and I've, I, for one, have got through a few of them as hirelings. Now, I will say, yes, <laughs> when push comes to shove, thieves do seem to be the ones who are picked off first because unlike magic users who are quite vulnerable when they don't have spells available, I felt that the party comes together in order to protect the magic user. But the magic user can kind of stay at the back or stay within the midst of the party to protect their vulnerability. Whereas the thief, because of their utility, because of what they are able to do, they're often left in vulnerable positions, I guess. So yes, my character has sought out thief retainers because they are so useful although I wouldn't say I was in the habit of treating them as disposable that's well I certainly don't like to think that's what I'm doing at any rate I am currently nursing a little bit of an injury as I took a tumble the other day, which is always a possibility with my condition. And I uh, fell quite awkwardly on my arm, bruising my ribs. And uh, yeah, at the moment, although I can get around okay, it does feel like I have a spear sticking out of my flank. And every time I move, I prang it on something, which is uh, quite an unpleasant sensation, I can assure you. But I think I'm going to pull through. 
but not an ideal situation to be in, especially when my wife needs all the help she can get at the moment. <laughs> what little support I can provide is uh, even more limited. But fortunately, the in-laws are a godsend. And I'm eternally grateful for the fact our living conditions mean that they are available to help out wherever they can. In the grand scheme of things, I'm fine. As long as I don't move or breathe, you wouldn't know there was anything wrong with me. <laughs> Given the large amount of feedback regarding alluvial plains, the next episode will be me addressing some, if not all of that, if I can. And uh, yeah, so I guess that's me out. Well, that's about enough from me, I think. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for your calls. If you want to leave me a message, please contact me via the anchor link in the description. You can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page for Keep Off The Borderlands. You can find me on Twitter and MeWe on the Audio Dungeon Discord and various other places on Discord as Free Thrall. I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for the wonderful music he provides. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.